Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. Welcome to today's program, and we're going to have an amazing story from Josie Pollack. Josie has been a friend of mine for many, many years, and she's just written an astonishing book called Backstage Pass to Heaven. Josie, thank you for being on the program. Well, thank you for having me. And you know what, Dan? Mm -hmm. I had a 40-year pregnancy and just gave birth. To the book. <laughs> oh, that's pretty unusual. <laughs> well, Josie, I first heard about you um, when I someone told me that you had miraculously escaped from the Manson murders at Benedict Canyon, where Sharon Tate was killed. And I know that you talk about this in your book, but tell us what happened. How on earth did you get involved with Sharon Tate and finally escape well i first met sharon in italy where she was living her father was in the service and my ex-husband channing pollock was making a film and sharon was one of the extras she was this beautiful teenager and when she was brought to hollywood we got together again and we spent some time together and one night at the Daisy Club, it was a Tuesday night, I was there and so was Sharon. Uh, she just got back from Europe. And she said, when are you coming over to the house? I said, well, I'm booking the Greek theater. I work kind of day and night. She said, well, try and find some time this weekend because I'll probably be alone. Roman's still in England. And the Roman was Roman Polanski. Right, right, yes. So in those days, we didn't have cell phones, but in the middle of the days, there was a phone booth. So I'm calling my roommate, and I said to her, write this number down, and I asked Sharon for her new number. So I, Thursday night, I flew to Vegas with my boss to see Anthony Newley because I wanted to book him into the theater. And I got this terrible migraine. And my friends who live in Vegas, Cherry Wayner, said to my boss, let Josie stay over. She's too sick to travel. So he flew back. They made me a reservation for late Friday afternoon. And I got home and I thought this would be the perfect time to go see Sharon. And I couldn't find the phone number anywhere. My roommate had left town. So then Judy Khan called with an extra ticket to the theater. And I thought, oh, I'll just drive over tomorrow. Just explain Judy Khan for the, uh, Judy, the younger listeners. They probably don't know it, but she was the star. it to me, girl. I'm laughing. Right, right. And married to Bert Reynolds at one time. So carry on then. You you were going to hopefully go to the the party. You couldn't find the number. 
Yeah, there wasn't really a party. She said she'd be alone. I mean, as it turned out, she wasn't alone. Uh, but anyway, um, I thought, well, Saturday afternoon, I'll drive over. And as I was getting ready, it came on the news about all these bodies found at her house. So a migraine saved my life. <laughs> Plus, my roommate said, later told me, oh, I was too high to write the number down. So <laughs> Dear. drugs and a migraine. God works in mysterious ways. <laughs> what an amazing story. Um, when you saw the film Helter Skelter, did it sort of bring it home to you, the, the miracle of your escape? Well... I was unable to read any of the newspaper stories, and it wasn't until I saw Helter Skelter that I realized the maid had found the bodies. Now, it was a Saturday, and often maids don't come in on Saturdays, so I would have been the one to find the bodies if she hadn't been there. Well, let's go back to your early days, uh, Josie. You were born in London, I understand, and... Well, East End of London. I'm a Cockney. <laughs> um, can you talk Cockney at all so people uh, can understand what it is? Oh, well, if you go up the Apple and Pears, you see your trouble and strife. That's oh. Cockney rhyming slang. And what does it mean? If you go up the stairs, you'll find your wife. <laughs> oh, boy. How did you get involved in uh, the hula hoop uh, business? K.O. Dwyer, she was um, working in the music industry, but she was looking to manage somebody. And somebody introduced me to her, and she wanted to manage my acting career. And so one day she said, Josie, we're going to Trafalgar Square. They're doing the hula hoop. You have to be there. <laughs> I said, I've never done the hula hoop. She said, oh, just put it on. And anyway, we got to Trafalgar Square, and there was all the press, and there were a bunch of kids doing it, and I showed up looking very glamorous, starting to do it, and praise God, I was able to. <laughs> and the pictures went all over the world. So how did that then affect your career? I mean, you you married Channing Pollock, but uh, was well, it... that's when I married Channing Pollock. That's when my career went up in smoke. I became a magician's assistant instead of an actress. Again, can you explain who Channing was? Uh, Channing was a famous magician. He did the Dove Act and was probably the most copied act of anyone. And, and you met him in England, did you? Or over... Yes, I, I was working in a nightclub and he would come into the club after he'd done his show at the Big Owl. And he didn't ever notice me, but every time he came in, he was this tall, handsome guy, and I'd say to the girl on the desk next to me, this guy can't leave me alone. He keeps <laughs> coming in here. I spoke into existence, our relationship. <laughs> so how long until he uh, proposed? Um, actually, I think probably on our second date, I was walking up the stairs and he said, you've got great legs, will you marry me? <laughs> so were you married in England then? 
No, we actually got married in Jamaica. We were working at the Latin Quarter in New York, and we had a little time off before we went to Vegas. And we, uh, they couldn't marry us in New York because he didn't have a record of his divorce, and it would have meant putting up bands. And we'd already booked a honeymoon in Jamaica. So we went to Jamaica, and we were staying in Montego Bay. And we drove to Kingston, and we went into this little uh, hut kind of thing where the minister was, and we said we want to get married. And he said, well, he looked at me, he said, are you old enough to get married? I was 24 (laughs) at the time. I had no makeup on, a little cotton dress. So he said, well, you have to put up the bands. And we said, no, we got to get back to Montego Bay. So he sent his secretary to the governor to sign the papers. He said, I can't marry you here. Come to my house. So we went to his house, and his wife and a neighbor were the witnesses, and his son played Johnny Mathis records. (laughs) Well, you you would then go on the Ed Sullivan show. What was that like? I, you always seemed a very strange person to me. I never even got to meet him or speak to him. We just uh, had to appear on stage when it was our time. But it was all very, all very weird. Not not very friendly at all. And what about Liberace? Didn't you tour with him for a while? Oh. Liberace, he was just the most wonderful person. Just as you saw him on TV, that's how he was. He had the sweetest nature. I always said that he and Elton resembled each other in the fact they were both great musicians. They were both uh, loved to dress up. But the difference was, you never saw Liberace angry, but Elton would have, uh, you know, these uh, moods he'd get into. Now, you actually then got divorced, and then you got engaged to Nigel Olson, the drummer with Elton John. Tell us about that. Well, um, I had briefly met Nigel, and he knew my cousin because my cousin was best friends with Elton. And he kept saying to my cousin, David, fix me up with Josie. <laughs> and so I kept saying, no, he's too young. I'm not interested. But I ended up spending five years of my life with him, traveling what, the world with the Elton John band. What, what, was, what was it like? Because he suddenly became this huge superstar, Elton John. And yeah, we started off with buses and then it was suddenly private jets it used to be holiday inns and then it was five-star hotels his yeah. rise to fame was amazing but then he was so t- oh and still is so talented he he very kindly wrote the forward jersey for one of my books which was uh, called cape crusader rick wakeman in the 1970s and uh, he hand wrote it. He had a company called Billy Bong Records, I think it was. And not, uh, not... I only know uh, Rocket Records. I don't know about the Billy Bond, but yeah. there, well, he did have a company called Rocket. Rocket Re- Records. That's right. Yeah. So you you were then working in and and moving in 
different circles. And how is it you met John Lennon? Well, John came to a Caribou Ranch where they were recording. Uh, that's up in Colorado. Beautiful, beautiful place. Because they were going to record Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So John came there with May Pang. And um, May Pang and I became the best of friends. And we're still in touch. She has the same birthday as me. So last Tuesday we both had birthdays. And one day May and I are doing the laundry for Elton, Nigel and John. And I said, <laughs> May, May, we should be cutting up these sheets and selling them instead <laughs> of washing them. Can I, can I ask how old you are now, Josie? I just had my 83rd birthday. That is incredible. And it's all in your book again. Tell us see, why you chose that title. Well, because um, a friend of mine once said to me, Josie, you could be the patron saint of backstage passes because <laughs> I never went anywhere for a concert unless I had a backstage pass. And um, because I w had a conversion of my life where I became born again, I just thought that was a good title. It is a great title. And... So uh, you just mentioned about becoming a believer, following a follower of Jesus. How did that come about, Josie? Well, I was involved in um, a very... I had gone to a psychic. A psychic had told me that I was going to meet and marry this man. And she described him that he was... Um, Mediterranean, had green eyes, younger than me, very beautiful. And I go to London and I meet this guy. And it was like he fit her description perfectly. And he was in London. For, I was in London for a while. And then he said, um, I, of course, I had to leave. His parents had set him, sent him off to Sicily. I didn't know why, but it was because he was in, uh, a cocaine addict, which I didn't realize. Anyway, he came to America, and he was still a cocaine addict, and it turned out to be a horrendous thing. But I kept putting up with stuff because this psychic had told me we would have problems, but we would get married. So um, that was a lie from the devil. Anyway, this friend of mine, uh, my Conti, had got born again, and he's, I called him and I said, Mike, you've got to take Julian off my hands. I can't... Uh, throw him out on the streets of Hollywood because it could destroy him. But I can't, I can't put up with his behavior. And Mike said to me, what do you want, Josie? I said, all I want is peace. And he said, with Jesus, you can have it. Well, I always knew who Jesus was because my mother had talked about him. And I always prayed every night. So he said, you, you have to say the sinner's prayer. And I got very indignant. I go, <laughs> I'm not a sinner. 
um, I, I am a good person. And he said, no, you have to say this prayer. So I said it through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would go to church and people were raising their hands. And I go, oh, God, don't turn me into a Jesus freak. <laughs> And the other strange thing that happened in my in the church I went to, oh, cut it long story short, I went to a meeting that Shy Coltrane was singing, and she said, if you feel, if you are born again but you don't feel it, you, you need to come to my Bible study. I'll pray for you. And that was exactly what I was feeling. I just felt rebellious. I wouldn't pick up the Bible. I felt Christianity was too narrow-minded. And I just um, went to her Bible study. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit when she prayed. And that's when my hunger and thirst for God happened. That's amazing. And then you made history. Tell us about your time in the L.A. prison system. Oh, at the church, this lady came to speak. She had just come out of jail, and she wanted to start a prison ministry. Well, I had been in a drama ministry where we used to go on the streets of Hollywood with the Holy Ghost repair service. <laughs> so I thought, oh, the drama would be great to take into the prisons and jails. So I signed up. But... um God had a different plan, and he ended up having me preaching in jail. I went in one day, and Frank Peeker, the chaplain, said, okay, you're giving the message. So that's how I started preaching. And when I'd been going to the hiding place, people would stand up and prophesy. And I said to God, don't ever give me the gift of prophecy. I could never stand up and speak. So then... He turned me into a preacher, <laughs> and uh, I I volunteered for a long time, and then I became a chaplain. And what, what, who were some of the people that you were able to minister to? Well, the famous ones were um, Tommy Lee, who was married to Pamela Anderson, uh, Robert Downey Jr., and Eric Menendez, one of the boys that killed their parents in Beverly Hills. What give us? A, what was Robert Downey like? Was he pretty angry that you were coming in and well, talking? When talk I arrived at his cell, he goes, "Oh, you're the fifth chaplain that's come today." I said, "Oh, you must be popular." <laughs> no, it was an exaggeration because we didn't even have five chaplains. So I said, how did you get on with the other chaplains? He said, well, they all tried to shove Jesus down my throat. I said, well, you know, we are Christians, so Jesus is our Lord and Savior. But from then on, I realized that I wasn't going to get anywhere Bible bashing. So I said, uh, you know your friend Laurie Rodkin? She was his manager, and he looked at and he said, yes. I said, well, she and I used to terrorize the streets of Hollywood before I got saved. So he looked at me and he said, I can see that. <laughs> now, that was 
that's an exaggeration too, but it got his attention. And then I went on to say, you know, you're you're just like these other inmates in here. You all have a drug problem. The difference with you is you can afford your drugs. All the others have to commit crimes to get theirs. And he said, oh, I never thought of it that way. I said, God has given you an amazing talent, and the devil's trying to destroy it. But you probably don't believe in the devil either. So he said, well, I do know there's light and darkness. Anyway, by the time I finished, he said, thank you for coming to see me. Thank you for the light I see in your eyes. So maybe one day I'll come to your church. So it totally turned around. And did he did he come to your church? No, he didn't come to my church, but he went to Tim Story's Hollywood Bible Study, which I go to regularly. And so I went over to him, and he gave me a big hug. And I said, I hope you didn't think Tim was trying to shove Jesus down your throat. <laughs> and what about, was it Eric Menendez that you met? What was he like? Oh, I can't tell you how charming that he was. He was so nice. It was so sad what happened to him. And he did say to me one day, he said, you know, I'm not the same person now I was when I came in here. And they were stuck in there for like six years. I did pray with him that he wouldn't get the death penalty I had hoped the brothers would be together, but they separated them. What was it like, Josie, to go from, you know, the East End of London to um, the Ed Sullivan Show, meeting John Lennon, escaping from, you know, from the uh, the Manson gang? I mean, it, what a story! Um, God has taken up me on quite an adventure. Could could you have ever dreamed as a young girl in, in London? Oh, that... yes. I had big dreams. I was going to be a Hollywood movie star. <laughs> well, I think somebody listening who's a producer should turn this story into a movie, make a wonderful story. And the book, of course, is Backstage Pass to Heaven. Um, when did it actually come out, Josie? Uh, September 30th. Did, did you have a celebration or anything? I, I haven't had a celebration yet, no. If you do, who will you invite? Oh, dear. I don't know. I, uh, the, the people mentioned in the book, I, I kind of lost contact with. And, of course, some have passed on. So um, it would probably just be the regular people I hang out with. One time, people had said to me, all the guys you hang out with are on TV. And when I was in the prison ministry, I said, well, they still are, except now they're on cops, the 11 o'clock news, and America's most wanted. <laughs> when, when, you, uh, when people read the book, Josie, what, what do you want them to take away from the story? Well, I hope they can see that Jesus can accept you any way you are. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. He will clean you up. And I just hope that people will realize that it doesn't matter if you're running with the jet set. 
you still need the Lord. Uh, so people, if they go on, is it Amazon to, to get a copy? Yes. Right. Now, on the front cover, you've got this uh, wonderful picture of John Lennon, May Pang, I think it's Nigel, Neil Sadaka, and yourself. Where was that taken? It was taken in 1974 at the party after Madison Square Garden. What was Neil Sadaka doing there then? Well, he was signed to Rocket Records at one point. And so he hung out a lot with Elton and John Reed. And what about um, the the, uh, the Channing? Has he passed away now? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah, so many of your friends are gone, but the Lord has spared your life. 83, pretty incredible. So we've been speaking with Josie Pollock, and if you're again a film producer, this would make a great movie. Uh, the book again, give us the title, Josie. Backstage Pass to Heaven, or as they say in America, Backstage Pass to Heaven. <laughs> uh, Josie, thank you so much. I hope people will go out and buy the book. Thank you, well, Josie. It, I've got to say, it is an interesting read. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I mean, we've just had a little taste of it today. So, Josie, thank you for being on the program. Thank you, Dan. You have been listening to Front Page Radio with international journalist Dan Wooding. If you would like a free subscription to the Assist News service, log on to www.assistnews.net. And if you would like to write to Dan, send an email to assistnews at aol.com. Tune in again for another edition of Front Page Radio on this same station. 